Now, on the 28th of May, 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered a speech to a massive group of civil rights marchers gathered around the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. You may have seen some of the footage. The March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom brought together tens of thousands of marchers to press the government for equality. The culmination of this event was King's influential and most memorable speech, I have a dream. Let me read to you some of his words. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day every valley will be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places made a plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. When we let freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, black sisters and white sisters, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I mean, those are, those are inspiring words, aren't they? Friends, Dr. Martin Luther King's words resonated with a longing for freedom from the wickedness of segregation and racism. And still those words ring true in many parts of the world today. But his words ring true for us too in our longing for freedom as well. Longing to be free from anxiety, longing to be free from pain, longing to be free from addictions, free from broken relationships, free at last. If I were to sum this up, we long to be free from the consequences of sin, the consequences of our sin, the consequences of others' sin, the brokenness sin brings in our lives. And we long for the day when Jesus comes and makes all things right. But the good news on Good Friday is that Jesus came to offer us freedom from our sin and the burden that it brings. And we discover this wonderful truth in the passage Jason read to us today, the story of Christ on the cross and the two criminals. It's a story that shouts from the rooftops, Christ can set you free. And this freedom brings the gift of forgiveness. You see, forgiveness can set you free from judgment, guilt, and shame. So let's begin, because today we can find freedom from our sin because forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is offered to us as a gift. Now, un unforgiveness can be a huge struggle for many of us. I know even in my own life, sometimes in relationships I've had over the past, there has been unforgiveness, not so much on my part, 
but on others. When a friend, a colleague, or a family member won't forgive you, no matter how hard you try, it can be heartbreaking and devastating, can't be? Especially if it's prolonged, maybe even years. And when you refuse to forgive someone yourself, it nearly always hurts you more as bitterness takes root in your life and is destructive. Now, as devastating as unforgiveness can be with each other, multiply that by eternity and you'll get a picture of the immeasurable impact of living outside of God's forgiveness. And we are all in that position because our sin and rebellion against God deserves serious consequences. And those consequences, according to the Scriptures, is death and separation from God forever in a place where there is no love and no good thing. And let me tell you, I'm underselling it for you. <laughs> okay. But that's not what God wants for us. No. Out of His immeasurable love, God sent His only Son as a rescue plan for us all. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that rescue plan was for Jesus to willingly die on the cross to take the punishment we deserve for our sins so that we could be forgiven and enjoy everlasting life. Now that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But what does God's incredible gift of forgiveness look like in the real world with all the mess and the mayhem? Well, in our passage today, we see the reality of what it looked like for Jesus. Jesus was in his 30s, probably his early 30s. And on that cross, we see the reality in Jesus' words when he says this to those who crucified him. Listen to what he said. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, if you and I are on the cross, in the agony of the cross, I don't think our words would have been, Father, forgive them, <laughs> for they know not what they're doing. It probably wouldn't be G-rated. <laughs> But Jesus, despite the terrible torture he was suffering, still thought of others. <laughs> Incredible. He prayed for forgiveness for those who sought to murder him. He prayed for the ones who put him on that cross. That's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. And was that forgiveness of, uh, and it was that forgiveness that Jesus offered to them and to us that ultimately cost him his life as he bore our sins and suffered the agony of a ruptured relationship with God for the first time, when on that cross he cried, "Eli, Eli, Labaksamakthani," which means, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken?" The pain he suffered on that cross physically actually pales in comparison to the pain he suffered when his relationship with God was severed, when he bore the wrath of God for our sins upon himself. Friends, Jesus paid this great cost for your sin. He took this terrible punishment for our wrongs 
so that you could be offered this incredible gift of forgiveness for your sins if only you would trust and follow him. Now, I have a gift here to give away. It's uh, a delicious gift. It's probably not what you need at Easter because you're getting plenty of it, but it's still good. (laughs) And I want to give this gift to someone. So who would like this gift today? Put your hand up. Oh, Tommy, quickly. All right, Tommy, come on down. Let's hear it for Tommy. Woo! There you go, mate. Now, inside that, box is, inside that box is celebrations, which is appropriate on a Good Friday, don't you think so? There you go. <laughs> now, why did I give this gift? Not just because my, uh, my wife has lots of chocolates in the cupboard. Why did I give this gift? Well, like this illustration, not everyone takes Christ's incredible gift of forgiveness. Not everyone takes the gift, do they? But for those of us who do, We can enjoy peace with God forever, having been forgiven and made right with Him. We just need to take the gift. Which begs the question, what about you? Do you want the gift of Jesus' forgiveness? Jesus is offering it to you. No matter who you are, I mean, if Jesus could forgive the the criminal on the cross and give him eternal life, if Jesus could offer mercy to his murderers, then he can and he does offer you forgiveness for your sin if you trust and follow him. God's word says that. For Christ also suffered for sins Once for all, the righteous, for who? The unrighteous. That's us. (laughs) In order to bring you to God. That means Jesus died for every sin you will ever commit. And that's a lot of sin. (laughs) Jesus died for all your sins once for all time. That's why we have AD, BC, because those two histories in time are brought together by one person, which is Christ. He took the penalty for our sins that we deserved. The righteous for the unrighteous to make us right with God, to bring you to God, to open the way. That's why the temple curtain was torn, because he opened the way to the Holy of Holies. Put simply, Jesus died in your place and mine so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. And how good is reconciliation? So we could enjoy a deep and personal relationship with the God of the universe. When you go out in the country or on the coast where there's little lights and you see the glorious majesty of the heavens, that's the God you've been reconciled with. So we could be set free from our guilt, set free from our shame, so we could let go of the past because it's been forgiven. Not guilty. 
thrown into the depths of the sea and told no fishing. So we could be reconciled with others because we ourselves have been reconciled to God. So we could be free to move forward in our lives with God's help and empowerment. That's amazing grace, isn't it? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And that was written by a slave trader who was converted and was radically changed for the Lord. Now, before we move on, I must add this. If you are a Christian, I implore you to reflect this same heart of forgiveness that Jesus showed toward us. Like him, let's forgive others the way he forgave us. After the immensity of his forgiveness for all our sins, how can we not forgive those who sinned against us? How can we not? So let our model be the Lord's prayer that we are to pray, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. If we live this way, our reward will be great. <laughs> great. I'm not saying forgiveness is easy. Was it easy for Jesus? No. <laughs> it cost him his life. Forgiveness is not easy, but there is great reward, and our model is Jesus. But someone may ask, aren't there many ways to God? In our multi-faith world, aren't there many ways to be saved? Many ways to be free from sin? Well, the Scriptures make it clear. Salvation is through our King alone. Alone. Now, I'm not talking about Elvis, the King, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about Jesus, the King, <laughs> Because the scriptures say salvation is through Jesus alone. Now, this truth rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It certainly rubbed the religious leaders the wrong way and others the wrong way in Jesus' time. It hasn't changed, has it? <laughs> I'm offended by you saying that, people might say. Have a listen to the jeers of the crowd toward Jesus the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Now get this. None of them believed that Jesus was God's promised King and Saviour. None of them thought salvation was through Jesus Christ alone. But ironically, because Jesus didn't save himself, because he stayed on that cross, he alone is able to save us. Isn't that wonderful? I love the complete topsy-turviness of the kingdom of God, don't you? 
Now, why can only Jesus save us? Why? Well, because our wrongs and rebellion against God deserve punishment. And God's judgment for our sin is we deserve to die. So the only way we can be saved is if somebody else takes our punishment for us. Now, who could possibly do that? (laughs) They'd have to be sinless. Otherwise, they would deserve judgment too. They would have to be human so they could actually take our punishment. And they would have to be God so that they had the power to overcome sin, death, and Satan. Who alone fits that bill? Jesus. That's right. God's Word puts it this way. First of all, saying... For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Did you hear that? Jesus is sinless and therefore is able to take the punishment for our sins. But wait, there's more. Because secondly, the Scriptures say, Though he was God, we're talking about Jesus here, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So get this. Jesus alone can save us from our sins because He alone is truly God, was truly human, and completely sinless. That's the trifecta necessary for us to be made right with God. That's why Jesus can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't that good news? That's the good news of Good Friday. And that's important. This is good news. This is good news. That's why today is called Good Friday, not Bad Friday. I mean, if you think about it, Jesus died on a cross. That sounds pretty bad. How can it be good? Because he paid for your sin and mine forever. That's why it's good. That's why it is very, very good. That's why we're here today, not lost in our sin. Because someone came to save you from your sins. Someone came you to be made right with God. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. The other criminal on the cross somehow got this. I don't know if he fully got it, but somehow he got it. Because in faith, he confessed his sins to Jesus, saying to the other criminal who was being hopeless, (laughs) Don't you fear God, he said. Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. He's admitting his sin right there. There's his confession. He's right next to Jesus. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what was his reward and indeed ours? When we confess our sin and trust in Christ as our Savior and King, well, Jesus tells us plainly, paradise is our destination. (laughs) That's a good destination, my friends. That's our reward. That's how Jesus responds to the criminal's faith. Have a listen. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, though the thief didn't earn it, nor do we, he received the greatest gift of all. Today, that very day, he was with Jesus in heaven's paradise from cross to glory. That's our eternal destination if we trust in Jesus. And that eternal destination when Jesus returns is described like this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This place is so much better than ours, wouldn't you agree? And there are days we long for it even hourly. This place is filled with joy, with peace, with harmony in our relationships with God and each other, even the animals you read in Isaiah. And if you long for such a place, let me tell you, it can be a reality for you. If today you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord. You see, attending church doesn't make you a Christian. Doing good things doesn't make you a Christian. I've met plenty of people that aren't Christian at all and are are far better in many ways than Christians. (laughs) Very good people. But our goodness is, is really not enough because God's so perfect and we're so not. (laughs) The only way you can be made right with Jesus is by trusting in Him as your Savior and King and receiving the gift of forgiveness. Trusting in Christ alone and receiving the hope of paradise. Now, I reckon we need that today, don't we? Our, new, our world is a bad news world. I just can't watch a whole hour of SBS news these days because it, after a while I'm like, ah, oh, this is just so bad. <laughs> but the good news on Good Friday is there is hope for us all. Friend, you can find freedom over your sin if you trust in Christ. You can enjoy forgiveness and eternal life if you put your faith in Christ alone. And if you would like to do that right now, why don't you pray with me? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. For some of us here, we really need to trust in Jesus today. We need that hope. We need that forgiveness. We need to be free from the guilt and the shame and the burdens in our lives. Maybe that's you today. For some of us today, maybe we need to renew our relationship with you because we've been lukewarm or far from you. Pray this prayer with me today. For some of us, we are committed Christians. We love you, Lord. Why don't you pray for those around us as we pray this? Pray for your friends. Pray for your family this Easter. Share this message of hope with them this Easter. Let's pray.
And if you'd like to pray this, pray this in your heart and in your mind with me. Dear God, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Why don't you just take a few moments to ask forgiveness for anything particularly that comes to your heart and conscience. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please help me to live for Jesus as my King from now on. In Jesus' name, amen.